We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Today I want to talk to you about being free to be faithful. This week I'm going to discuss the subject with you and then next week we're going to have some folks here who are born and raised in foreign countries who understand the lack of religious liberty. We're going to tie that into the message next week. We'll hear from someone from China, someone from Iran, someone from Mexico, perhaps other places. So plan to be here next Sunday and bring someone with you. It's going to be a very, very powerful time when we understand the privilege we have to worship freely and how that much of the world doesn't enjoy that same privilege. So be here next Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, two verses of Scripture for our text, verses 13 and 14. Paul writing says, watch, stand fast in faith. Be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. Reading it also from the message, it reads this way, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, be resolute, and love without stopping. Father, I pray now, your anointing upon the ministry of your word. I pray that you'd open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand, our minds to comprehend and accept the truth of God's Word today. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take your Word and make it living bread for us. We ask today, Father, that you help us to be the people you've called us to be, that you've challenged us to be, that you've empowered us to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the freedom or being free to be faithful. We live in a country where that freedom often is taken for granted, and it has been for a lot of years. And as a result, we're now beginning to see an erosion in some of those freedoms that many of us grew up with and think should be a part of American life. The challenge we have in the church today is to live in a way that pleases God in a culture that is displeasing to God. It's a contradiction. It's a source of constant friction and irritation, both to the culture and to those who are seeking to please God. So when we look at this text this morning, we understand that Paul actually established the church in Corinth. And when he was there, he encountered a very pagan culture and society. From the very roots out, it was pagan. There were all types of pagan temples in the city of Corinth. One, the greatest one, to the god of Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. You can go on and read, there was a a temple to Poseidon, who was the ruler of the sea, and many thought he was the master of earthquakes and other natural disasters. There were numerous other temples in Corinth, from Apollo and Hermes and, and Venus Futura, and on and on we can go. There was even one dedicated to all the gods, just so we don't leave somebody out. When I began reading and studying the history of the city of Corinth, and what Paul encountered when he went there, I recognized that it's very, very similar to America today. So you want to say we're a Christian nation, but in reality, we're a nation filled with idols. A nation filled with false gods. A nation that is overcome with things that are displeasing to the Lord. Human secularism has been introduced in our society for the last 50 years or so. And now we believe that if we exclude, something's wrong with us. 
Do you understand the gospel is a gospel of inclusion, but if we refuse to accept the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, exclusion does follow. That doesn't fit with our culture. It doesn't fit with our society. It doesn't fit with what makes us feel good. America is filled with idols. There's idols of entertainment, idols of sports, idols of money, idols of pleasure, idols of sex, idols of pornography, all looking to bring hope and peace and life to individuals, but it's all counterfeit. It's not real. Yes, it may bring something that satisfies for a moment, but it only leads to destruction. So the the challenge you and I have is how do we live in a culture that is so opposed to the things of God and yet be a clear light and a beacon to those around us about the things of God? That's the challenge. We have to understand there's only one source of real life, and that flows through Jesus Christ. We have to affirm, we have to know, we have to be convicted of the fact that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you and me. We need to understand it's the Spirit of God that empowers us, that motivates us, that moves us, that causes us to adopt philosophies and thinking that align themselves with the Word of God. When you read 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with the conflict that is obvious between culture and church life. In that book, he deals with immorality. He deals with conflict within the church among believers. He deals with abuses of the Lord's Supper. He deals with abuses in the proper uses of spiritual gifts. See, in in Corinth, and even in the church at that time, life defines Scripture. You need to write that down because it's true even yet today in America. Life defines Scripture. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is the reverse, that Scripture defines life. We moved away from that. We've accepted something that's not true, and we bought into the fact that life now defines Scripture. You see, it's, that's the way it was in Corinth. That's the this way today as well. It started that we know visibly we can point to a time in 1962 when we removed prayer from schools. We can walk on down the line, 1972, when Roe versus Wade was affirmed and abortion became legal across our nation. In 2015, when same-sex marriage was sanctioned by the Supreme Court, once again, life defines Scripture. And you know and you understand that the pressure against the church is to conform, to align, to be what culture says we should be. Paul wants to remind us that isn't true. In fact, Scripture defines life. And life defined outside of Scripture is really not life at all, but it's counterfeit. And it brings to death and destruction. The election that we're about to face, and I want you to understand, on November 8th is about one thing and one thing only. It's not about whether you like Hillary or Donald. It's not about what party you're affiliated with. It's about one thing for the believer, and that one thing is religious liberty. It's understanding that we're living in a day and an age when our liberty is being eroded. Make no mistake about it. Our liberties are being eroded in the church of Jesus Christ. In the last election, presidential election, 19 million Christians didn't bother to go to the polls because they didn't think they could make a difference. Why? Because life defines Scripture. It's time to invert that and remember and remind ourselves, Scripture defines life. Listen, we need to understand that America 
You see, I'm not sure I believe that religious liberties are being eroded, that the church is losing its effectiveness. My goodness, wake up and smell the roses. America traditionally was the greatest sending agency of missionaries of any country in the world. That was true until about the mid-80s. But do you realize now that Korea, South Korea sends more missionaries than we do? Brazil sends more missionaries than America? China sends more missionaries than America. And China is one of the most repressed countries in the world when it comes to religious liberties. But the church has got it. Scripture defines life. And there's only one reason we're here, and that's to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, church. We've been so caught up in our own worship Theatrics. Is there a better word for it? Our own church service. We've got to come in and do it our way and just so it's so-so. And then when we leave, everything's okay and we feel good because we came to church. I've got news for you. If your church doesn't do something inside of you, you've wasted your time. Why don't you just sleep in on Sunday morning, forget about going to church, and just enjoy life. I'm here to tell you that we need to come to a place where we understand, again, Scripture defines life. Life does not define Scripture. We need to understand it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up. Someone said, why are we in the place we're in in America? Because the church has sat down. Because the church has given up. Because the church has believed the lie that we can't be effective in this negative culture. Can I challenge you to read the New Testament one more time again? Read the book of Acts. You'll find every culture that was invaded by the gospel of Jesus Christ was hostile and negative. Yet it didn't stop Paul. It didn't stop Peter. It didn't stop Barnabas. It didn't stop Silas. With passion, they pursued the mandate that was upon their lives. The church has to come back to the place where life no longer defines us. The scripture defines us and who we are according to the Word of God. Do you realize there are 90 million Christians who are registered voters in the United States? This statement may blow your mind, but we are the largest minority in America. Chew on that for just a moment. We are the largest minority in America. It's interesting to me, last summer... When the Supreme Court was wrestling with the decision about same-sex marriage, we had a friend here from out of town. And I made the statement, I said, it's really kind of crazy where we've come in our culture because now 4% of our population is determining our direction. And he said, oh no, there's a lot more than 4% of gay and lesbians in America. No, that's the statistic. That's what the Department of Labor or the Department of Bureau, excuse me, that's what the census will tell you, 4%. My friend, hear me, 90 million registered voters who claim to be Christians and were silent. Why? Because life defines Scripture. Scripture no longer defines life. I'm challenging you, I'm calling you to rise up as an American citizen and exercise the rights you have under the Constitution and the authority under the Scripture and vote as God's called you to do. There's no reason 19 million Christians should have sat at home in the last election other than life determines Scripture. You see, we, didn't, we bought the lie that we can live our faith as long as we do it quietly. We can live our faith as long as we do it in these walls. 
But don't bring your faith down to the square. Don't bring your faith down to the courthouse. Don't bring your faith down to the workplace. Don't bring your faith down to the schoolhouse. I've come to challenge you this morning to step out, step up, open your mouth, let your voice be heard. It's time for the largest minority in America to stand up and say, Scripture defines life. Not the other way around. Oh, we may step on someone's toes. Probably will. You may disturb the status quo. You probably will. We were in a meeting yesterday just across the hall in the fellowship hall, and they were talking about the different types of churches, and God bless Cindy Forstall. One of those was a sensitive church, and she said, we're not a sensitive church. And then she gave me a high five. Listen, I'm not here to intentionally step on your toes, but I am here to intentionally challenge you to cause you to realize as a born-again believer in the United States, you do have rights, and those rights include the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stop acting like you're a floor mat, a wet rag, a wet towel, milk toast, grow a backbone, and tell somebody about Jesus. That's not biblical, preacher. I love it when people challenge me with Scripture. Have you never read Acts 22? Paul was in Jerusalem, and he was arrested by the Romans because he was preaching the gospel, and the Jews didn't like it. And when they were going to beat him, scourge him, the Scripture says, he said, how can you do this when I'm a Roman citizen? It got up to the uh, centurion who was over that group of Roman soldiers. And he said, are you really a Roman citizen? Paul said, I sure am. And you know what that guy said to him? I bought my citizenship with a high price. Paul said, I was born into it. Oh, hear me, church. You were born into the citizenship of the United States of America, but more importantly, into the kingdom of God. And it's time for the church to stop worrying about making somebody mad and stand up and declare the truth that never changes. But being afraid of stepping on toes. I am so proud of Tina Pate for running for office. More of you need to do that. More of you need to do that. Quit moaning about the fate of our country and get involved to change it. So sick and tired of whiners and complainers. I don't know why things are like this. They're like this because we've let them be like this. They're like this because we have put our people to sleep from the pulpit. Because we have settled for something that tickles our ears rather than something that challenges our spirit and gives us the courage to step up and step out. See, friends, you got to realize it's not about culture. It's not about color. It's not about your creed. It's about do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you do, then you have a mandate upon your life to be a witness for him. And it's pretty tough to be a witness when your lips are shut. Everybody ought to be down at Cascade Park at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Whether they have one of those t-shirts or not. Those t-shirts that Daryl designed say Christian Heritage on the front and on the back it says straight out of church. Someone saw that and they said, hey, that's a gang thing. What's your gang sign? This is my gang sign. There's one way. One way. Come on, there's one way. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the message we need to be conveying to those around us. Not long ago, I was talking to an individual who, another pastor, you know how I get along with pastors, we really don't. But anyway, we were talking to this other pastor, and you saw the heart gallery out on Main Street. 
You know, the Heart Gallery is our effort to partner with the Department of Children and Families to make raise awareness in regard to foster, foster children who need forever families. And when I was explaining that to him, he said, but how can you partner with a state agency? That's like partnering with the devil. I said, time out. That's the problem. The church has walked out of the government. The church has walked out of the courthouse. The church has walked out of the schoolhouse. The church has walked off the university campuses. It's time to go back and be the greatest minority this nation has ever experienced. Our focus has shifted. Why? Why? Because in Paul's day, life defines Scripture rather than Scripture defining life. Do you realize that there have been attempt after attempt after attempt to erode religious liberties in the last 12 months? We talk about the Supreme Court decision. We talk about the bathroom mission. We talk about the city of Houston telling all pastors, you have to bring your sermons in so we can monitor and make sure you're not speaking against what we're wanting to pass. Did you realize that in California, the Senate in California just passed a bill that says any institution of higher learning will now be required to remove statements of faith, remove uh, applicants from having to qualify spiritually, remove chapel services, remove Christian service as a part of their curriculum and as a part of what they do. Do you understand that these things are happening around the world in our nation right now, today? It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to recognize we are still the representative of Jesus Christ. And when culture doesn't agree with Scripture, we still proclaim Scripture. When culture doesn't agree with what the Word of God says, we still proclaim the truth of God's Word. We don't compromise. You know, we understand that Scripture has absolutely been compromised in our nation. This book that we call the Bible that we revere and hold dear has been discarded by the majority of our nation. Culture says it's of no value. It's not relevant. It's a book written over thousands of years by all men who are dead. It has no relevance to us today. We don't understand why you continue to say it's an authoritative rule of conduct and behavior. Because it's not. That's what culture tells you. And when we remove the standard of God's Word from our culture as absolute truth, it opens the doors for every other standard to be attacked as well. Listen to me. This isn't easy to preach, but you need to hear it. We need to understand that the Constitution of the United States guarantees in the First Amendment the free exercise of religion. It guarantees in the First Amendment that Congress will not make any law respecting an establishment of religion or impending the free exercise of religion goes on to talk about abridging the freedom of speech, infringing on the freedom of the press, interfering with the right to peaceably assemble or prohibiting the petitioning for a government to address of grievances. We need to understand when the Word of God is attacked and removed, the next thing is the next standard, the document, that is oppressive in the eyes of culture, and that is our Constitution. The text shows us that we read this morning how we honor God 
in a dishonorable culture. Now, this is as political as I'm going to get this morning, and I'm going to tell you straight out, neither candidate running for president is fit for the office. Period. I don't really care. They aren't. So you can't look at the person. You have to look at the platform. Because the platform will tell you which direction the country is going to go. You need to understand that it's time for believers to open their eyes and understand what's going on around them. We live in a hedonistic society. It's no wonder there is no moral compass for those who are running for the highest office in the land. That anything goes, that everything is okay, that if you catch me on something, I will defer and go another direction rather than address the issue or address my wrong. That's our culture, my friend. That's what's happening in front of us every day. But here's my injunction. Stop believing everything you hear in the media. Stop believing everything you read in the newspaper. And for heaven's sake, stop believing and forwarding everything you see on Facebook. Do you not understand Facebook is just the new National Enquirer? It's really all it is. What do the people of God do? The people of God do what the people of God have done for generations. We go to Him. We hear His Word. We seek His face. We fall on our knees. We ask for guidance and direction. And then when God speaks into our heart, we do what God asks us to do. How did Solomon say it when he was dedicating the temple? Second Chronicles 7, 14 and 15. And if my people who are called by my name, my question is, are we those people? Are we those people? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attend to their prayer. You see, it's conditional, folks. We talk about the church coming to life again. The church will never come to life again until the church, which is you and me. Come on, let's stop talking about the church globally and talk about the church at Christian Heritage Church. Until you and me humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then we will hear from heaven. So when we don't know what to do, we pray, we seek God. We don't listen to all the outside influences, we listen to the inside influence of the Holy Spirit of God and do what God is directing us to do according to his word. So I challenge you today, understand so many have said, well, if Hillary's elected, we're going to go to hell. If Donald Trump is elected, we're going to go to hell. I've got a newsflash. The society is already there. Come on, folks, you need to get that in your spirit. Our culture is already on a fast train to hell that doesn't have any brakes on it. The only answer and the only hope is not who's in the White House. It's who is praying and asking God to come and revive America one more time. Throughout Scripture, you'll find stories of people who were placed in difficult positions, who were, who were countercultural to do the Word of God. Nehemiah is one of those. He was called, he was commissioned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And in the midst of that job, he received word that there were those around him who opposed him kings and armies who are going to come and destroy them and attack them. And his response should be our response today. He stopped, 
He prayed, he sought God, and he did what God told him to do. What did he do? He put guards on the wall. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to put the guards back on the wall to understand it's not enough to be a nice little church member. But there are times we got to work with one hand and hold the sword in the other hand, defending the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, refusing to compromise, refusing to be intimidated, but standing firm as Nehemiah of old. Nehemiah said, if we do what God tells us to do, God's going to help us. And you know what? That's what happened. What they said couldn't be done was done in 58 days. I'm here to tell you, we still serve a mighty God, and it's time for you and I to understand what's at stake in this election. Is not the culture going to hell, it's religious liberty continuing to erode at a very, very fast pace. So I want to share with you very quickly three things. We'll do the rest of the outline next week. Number one, we need to watch. Paul said, watch. Keep your eyes wide open. Be aware of what's going on. Now here, look beyond the mudslinging. Will you do that? Look beyond all the smoke screens. Seek God. Ask God. What are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to this nation? What do you want me as an individual believer to do? And show me how I can put a guard on my wall. Watch. Keep your eyes wide open. There are some even in the circles of Christianity who have tried to remove the believer from the election process by stating God is sovereign. And yes, he is. Can you say amen? God is in control, and yes, He is. God sets up kings and takes them down. Yes, He does. All of that is absolutely true. But He's also put us in a nation and given us a position where we have the opportunity to express God's will through our votes. Do it. And I'm not telling you to vote for I'm saying seek God and do what God tells you to do. Stop putting an American spin on the gospel. So many do that. You know that, don't you? We put an American spin on the gospel. Do you understand that people who live in countries that don't have religious liberties are not second rate because of their government? God loves them. God cares for them. Matter of fact, it often takes far more spirit of God and spiritual determination and courage and stamina to stand for God in that oppressive situation than it does in America. I want you to hear that next week. You're going to take a lesson from the book and understand we still have it good. We need to push so that nothing changes to the negative. So we ask ourselves in this election, as we watch and keep our eyes wide open, is it personal conduct or is it policy that is most important? Because to be honest with you, both of these dudes running for president fail the moral test. Come on, that's just the truth. I don't care who you're supporting. If you will open your eyes and see, they fail the moral test. So-and-so elected, we're in trouble. If so-and-so's elected, we're in trouble. Now, we need to remember we look at policy, not the person in this instance. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 gives us another insight in how we ask God to guide us and direct us. Because it says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So you need to see who are they surrounding themselves with. What do they believe? What is their position? Keep your eyes wide open. Don't be blinded. Don't be deceived based on something you think you're going to get. If you haven't learned anything, let me rephrase that. If you're over 18 in this room today, 
and you've been around the track a time or two, there's one thing you know, politicians at the highest level never do what they say they're going to do. So don't base your vote based on what somebody says I'm going to do for you. You base your vote based on what God says to your spirit about what you should do as a Christian to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And let me remind you, Hillary can't save you, neither can Donald. There is only one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Neither one of them have died for you. Neither one of them have hung on a cross and bore your sins. Neither one of you have, of them have promised you life beyond today. But my Savior is not in the White House. My Savior sits at the throne of God. We've got to remind it of that. Number two, stand fast. Hold tight your convictions. Hold tight your convictions is what the message says. Fight for biblical truths. We've been quiet. We have been quiet. Somebody in the workplace says something, we don't want to cause an argument, so we stay quiet. You see, we as Christians have been conditioned to be complete pacifists. It's wrong for you to start an argument. I'm telling you, there are things that are right to stand up for. And it's time you and I grew a backbone, opened our mouth and said, I disagree because that is not biblical, because life doesn't interpret Scripture. Scripture defines life. Come on, church, you're going to hear that again and again and again and again. We need to understand that's where we're at. That's where we need to move is where biblical truths define life again. Threats to religious freedom, George Wood, who is the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God wrote this note. He said, threats to religious freedom are likened to the frog that's placed in the pot of water on slow heat. And over time, that heat is intensified until it becomes too late for the frog to get out of the pan of water. The question is, is it too late for the church? Because that's exactly what's happened in America. We have allowed the heat to be turned up without us ever saying a thing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 13, 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. We've been asleep. The church has been asleep. And it's time for the church to wake up, shake itself off, and recognize we are the most powerful institution, the most powerful force on the face of the planet. And there is nothing that will stop God from building His church. Well, don't say amen. I don't care, but Jesus said it. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at that scripture. Read the words in the Greek. Understand there is a contest. There is a fight. There is a dilemma. It's time for the church to wake up, shake it off, and grow some for Jesus and move forward in him. Get rid of the tares. Move forward. Have we awakened too late? Most of you know I grew up in western Oklahoma. My family, my grandparents, my great-grandparents were all farmers. In western Oklahoma, a farmer was a Democrat, period. This isn't political, it's simply a statement. That's who my family was, every one of them. But they're also born-again, spirit-filled believers. But in 1972, when the Supreme Court upheld Roe versus Wade, and that was affiliated with the Democratic Party, in mass, my family went down and changed their affiliation. Because they understood I cannot identify with something that's opposed to the Word of God. 
So I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I buy that. Listen, read the Old Testament. Read the stories of human sacrifice made by kings and individuals trying to appease some false, foreign, fake God. Over and over again, you'll read it. Read the stories happening even yet today where babies and children are sacrificed around the world. And then you have to say, but what about us? Because since 1962, we've sacrificed generations to the altar of convenience. Sixty million babies have been aborted in America, and the church says nothing. Oh, we get upset. Listen to me. I'm going to get in your business. We get upset when a Muslim father throws acid on the face of his daughter, and we say how bad that is because she didn't obey him. We get upset. When the child of a Muslim is killed because they convert to Christianity, why don't we get upset when 60 million babies have been offered on the altar of convenience? Makes no sense to me. Other than we've now decided life defines Scripture. Scripture doesn't define life. Number three, be brave, be resolute. Resolute means come to a conclusion and then act. Decide what you're supposed to do and then act. Do something about it. You see, Christians have been painted as uneducated, backwoods, redneck, bigots. Matter of fact, a professor at Harvard Law by the name of Mark Tushnet stated, People of faith are as bad as the Confederates, the Jim Crow segregationists, as bad as World War II era German Nazis, and Japanese militarists. I don't know what that does to you, but that's alarming to me. That's the way culture sees me. I want you to know I'm not a bigot. I want you to know I have no prejudice against anyone. I am not a Nazi. I am not a Japanese militant killing anyone and everyone that's in my way. We need to understand it's time for the church to come to a conclusion and then act. Do something. You can sit on your laurels and applaud your worship services until the cows come home. But if you don't get something from your worship service that causes you to act in the best interest of the church of Jesus Christ, you've wasted your time. I made this statement a few weeks ago in one of the messages I preached that culture thinks it's okay for Christianity to be privately engaging while remaining socially irrelevant. And I am challenging you today to deny that, to refuse that, to refute that by your actions. Understand, yes, Christianity is privately engaging. Faith is something that happens in me on a one-on-one basis. Jesus forgives me, lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. It is privately engaging. But I'm here to tell you the faith that I have, the faith that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that dwells in the church is not socially irrelevant. Matter of fact, it's the only answer for a culture that is dying by leaps and bounds. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. You know who Bonhoeffer is. He opposed Hitler. He spoke publicly against him. 
He was arrested, placed in prison, and two months before the third right fell, he was executed because of his stand. Hear it again. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. I am looking today. I'm convinced God is looking today for some warriors to rise up. For some people who are not intimidated, for some people who are not fearful to stand up and let God use them in this society. To speak and to act. Joshua died when he was 110 years old. Shortly thereafter, Israel lost its way. Shortly thereafter, Israel perverted its relationship with God and began worshiping idols one more time. And as Israel became weaker... Her enemies became more emboldened. And God recognized he needed to find a special group of people who would rise up, speak against the evil that was in Israel, and turn them back to God. Those people had warrior spirits. Those people were fearless, and they were ready to go. Those people were called judges in the Old Testament period in time. When the king of Aram began to overwhelm Israel, the land God had given to them, God began to stir the heart of one young man. That young man, his name was Othniel. He was the nephew of a guy you may remember whose name was Caleb, who at 85 years old said, give me the mountain where the giants live. I can still yet take it. Oh, come on, church, hear me. There are giants in the land, giants that oppose the church. But I'm looking for some Caleb's. I'm looking for some Onithiels who will stand up and say, with God's help, I can make a difference. No doubt in my mind, he grew up hearing the exploits of Caleb and Joshua when they conquered the land of Canaan. And now he was Israel's best hope against this new invasion. His very name meant force of God. He was from the tribe of Judah, which meant lion of God. Oh, I'm here to tell you, it's time for some lions to roar in the church of Jesus Christ. Be brave, be resolute, know what you believe, and act upon it. He quickly set the standard. For what God wanted and drove the enemy out of Israel. Today America has lost its way. Because the church has lost its voice. America has lost its way. Because we're happy with what happens in here. America has lost its way. Because we believed life defines scripture. But God is still saying. My word shall never pass away. God is still saying, my word will prosper where I send it and bring a return. God is still saying, my word is quick and sharp and powerful. More than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's time for some believers to raise up as warriors. Carrying the sword of the Spirit of the living God, declaring we are going to stand in this day. Stand with me across this room this morning. Tom, come back, please. We must understand we are at a critical juncture. This election is about one thing, folks. Religious liberty. It's all it's about. 
It's what you have to remember, religious liberty. Will we in 10 years be free to worship as we are this morning? Will we in 10 years have the same liberties we have today? That's what you need to be praying and asking God. God, show me. Open my eyes. Let me live with my eyes wide open. Somebody says you're a Republican. No, I'm not. I refuse to affiliate with either party. Either party. I'm neither. I'm an independent. I know that means I can't vote in some primary elections. I'm okay with that. But I will not be aligned with either party, which in my opinion does not embody the principles of the Word of God. It's time for the church to say, we're going to stand up. Truth may have fallen in the streets. You can read it, Isaiah 59. Justice may not be anywhere to be found. Violence is rapid. But God is looking for a man or looking for a woman who will step up and stand in the gap and say, God, use me. Who understands one person really can make a difference. You may not make a difference on the national scene. You may not make a difference on the Florida scene. You may not make a difference in Tallahassee, but you can make a difference to those under your roof. You can make a difference to those that are in your circle of influence. You can make a difference to those individuals that are really looking for answers. They're seeking life, and what they have bought is counterfeit, and you're withholding the real thing from them. Oh, come on, folks, it's time for God to raise warriors in the church of Jesus Christ. Men and women who will say, I feel the hand of God upon my life and I'm going to stand and I'm going to declare at every opportunity there is still one way. His name is Jesus. There is no other way to life. No other hope offered. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone. You're in this room this morning. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Today, you want the real thing. You've had enough counterfeits. It's left you empty and dry. Drifting from one place to another. Running from one thing to another. Today you want the real thing. You want some life that only comes from Jesus. That's you. Just slip up your hand right where you're at. This isn't a heads bowed, eyes closed. Slip up your hand. Yes, anyone else? I need some life. Anyone else? Slip up your hand right where you're at. I need some life in my life today. Anybody else? Come right on down here, young lady. Anyone else want to join this young lady saying, I need some life in my life this morning. Anybody else? Anybody else? with me right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for the power of a risen God to flow into this young lady's heart and life, that you'd remove everything that distracts from you and fill her now with the Spirit of the living God. Fill her now with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Forgive her her sins. Cleanse her life. Change her as only you are able to do. Yvonne, take her and pray with her personally, please, if you would. Now, I'm asking you this morning, are you in this room and you say, I've decided that if God could use Gideon when he found him in a pit, he has afraid of everything, refused to step out. God could use Gideon to deliver a nation. He can use me as a voice. You want to be a voice. You want to be a warrior. You want to be a man or a woman of God who daily picks up the sword of the spirit and engages culture with the truth of God's word. I'm not going to buy the lie anymore that life is defining Scripture, but I'm going to believe Scripture defines life. If that's you, step out from where you're at and meet me right here in this front. If that's you, step out and meet me right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. It's because of who He is that we have hope today. It's because of who He is that we can be strong and courageous today. It's because of who He is that we have hope for tomorrow. Hallelujah. I'm waiting for you. Come on. I'm waiting for you. I'm going to be strong and courageous. I want to be a warrior. I want that warrior spirit to flow in me. Oh, do you know we're all a part of the tribe of Judah? That's our heritage. We are the lions of God. It's time for you and I to open our mouth and declare great things that God is yet able to turn a people. And through turning a people, turn a culture. And through turning a culture, change a nation. And changing a nation, change the world. I want to be a part of that. Lift your hands with me today. Lord, in Jesus' name, this altar is filled with those who are warriors of God. Filled with individuals who will walk in the power and the anointing of the living God. Filled with men and women and boys and girls who are right now receiving the power of Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now dwelling in them. Like a rushing wind sweep over this place today. Break off the shackles of mediocrity. Break off the shackles of apathy. Break off the shackles of fear. And put us in a place and a position where we understand our God calling is to change this world. Oh God, let us understand you're empowering us right now to open our mouth and speak truth. You're empowering us right now to be the guard on Nehemiah's wall. You're empowering us right now to work with that trowel in one hand and that sword in the other and to declare, I will not accept what my culture tells me. There is a better way. There is a better way through Jesus Christ now. Spirit of God, fill your church with Holy Ghost power. Fill your church with Holy Ghost boldness. Oh Lord, let the same boldness that filled Peter on the day of Pentecost fill believers in this room today. Let the same boldness that caused the Apostle Paul to say, are you going to beat a Roman? Fill us today. God, break off that shackle of insecurity. Break off that lie that has bound the church in the place where we believe we must be silenced. Oh God, I pray that what you have done in me, what you've done in each one of these individuals would be like a wildfire spreading across the prairie, turning this world upside down. Burn out the evil, burn out the dross. For Lord, I know that when that wildfire is gone, that's when new growth begins to come. That's when new life begins to be evident. So Lord, use us as that spark to our culture, to our nation, to our families, to our circles of influence. Use us as that spark that brings a difference in Jesus' name. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... 
We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.